Welcome to the Marshall Street Podcast. Pay attention to the clock. Gillen. Got it! Syracuse wins! Are you serious? Where two washed up SU alumni cut into all things Syracuse sports. And for Syracuse, party time. The upset, home by the Orange. They defeat Clemson 27 24. Now here are your hosts, Jake and Keith. Davis has won it! Davis wins it for Syracuse! It's over! The Orange wins the national championship! Welcome to episode 24 of the Marshall Street Podcast, where two washed-up SU alumni cut into all things Syracuse sports. Before we get started, don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a five-star question. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at MarshallSTPod44. And like, share, retweet, and tell your friends about us to help the podcast grow. I'm Jake. That's Keith. Keith, how are we doing on this lovely Tuesday afternoon? Or evening, I guess I should say now. Doing great. Had a, had a nice 4th of July weekend. Little uh, little rest of relaxation and festivities. I felt a lot better than you did. I know you're a little under the weather this weekend. Yeah, I wasn't feeling great all weekend. I managed to still have some fun, but feeling better now. Nothing too serious. Um, it's not like COVID or anything like that. I'm good. Um, Famous last yeah, words. Fe- <laughs> yeah, feeling better now though. Um, but we we got some stuff to talk about. Some fun stuff later on, but we got to start with the more serious stuff. So. About a, I think it was a little over a week ago now, the Athletic article came out uh, about the mass exodus from Syracuse women's basketball. Uh, the article was entitled, Why the Mass Exodus from Syracuse Women's Basketball, Ego, Manipulation, and Fear Tactics. Tactics. It was written by Chantel Jennings. I think that's how you pronounce it, Chantel or Chantel, I'm not totally sure. Jennings and Dana O'Neill. Uh, they interviewed nine former players and 19 others, including managers and staff. And um, the allegations, Keith, are pretty damning. Uh, against Syracuse women's basketball, like just Q using ver- verbal verbal abuse. Uh, player said, "Quote the way he threatened us. Um, I'll fuck you guys up. I'll fuck you up. Blah 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 blah. That kind of thing." Uh, so sorry about the language, but it's going to happen a few more times. Uh, one allegation that in a locker room at halftime of the 2019-20 season, uh, he went around the locker room to every player and says, "I don't give a fuck about you." Flipped a table. Uh, seven people present recall that incident. There was also a picture, supposedly, of the locker room during that on the Tabs Instagram story last week. Again, I don't know if that could have been from something different, but it was there. Uh, women felt uncomfortable after a discussion about playing time. He kissed them on the forehead, and then he brought in his buddy, Ronnie Enoch, who has sexual uh, harassment allegations from his past job at NC Central. And it goes on, and it's Keith... The stuff about, like, the kissing players on the head, there was one where he, like, hugs someone from behind around their pelvic region. Like, that stuff alone would get you fired if it was true. Um, but the, it, it, the allegations in that article kept going on and on and on. It was not good. Yeah, and obviously going to let the investigation play out and see yes. what happens there. But to me, the, the few things that stuck out were the number of different allegations and then the number of people who witnessed all this stuff which does not bode well and is really, really disheartening. So that's, that's on the surface. I know there's a kind of a laundry list of 
of allegations, but it's like, was it, you said nine former players and 19 managers? And 19, like, staff, managers staff, and, yeah, and whatever you want to call it. And some of this stuff I remember seeing, it was, like, over 10 people back this allegation, and I was, like, over seven people. But So, you know, there's there's – if it's one person, they should be heard and believed, taken seriously, investigated, all that stuff. But when it's so many, that just – Right. That just doesn't sit right. The sheer number of people who, like, were able to corroborate the stories doesn't make me feel good that, like, it could be wrong. Uh, it, it, to me, it's just, it's like, that's that's too many people to be, they're all making it up or, like, not fabricating it or exaggerating it. it, it it's it's a pattern, and it's not good. It, it does not look good for the women's basketball team. It does not look good for the athletic department or the university as a whole. Um even stuff like this year, uh, Talia Washington had COVID last winter, and when she, she had uh, the heart inflammation that could happen as a result of it, and she said that Hillsman only called her after her dad like lost his shit on her, and the call was like thirty seconds. And she said, "Don't call me now because my father's in your ass." Like it, it's that kind of thing. Like the culture around the team just seems so toxic and poor i'm not the only one and who then you toxic. had tiana saying people were you know hard on her for her cancer diagnosis saying she's milking that it just just a complete mess all around yeah and really like, go ahead yeah no i was just gonna read the quote she, what she had like there was an article on circus.com i'm uh lindsey kramer wrote it uh she said teammates were horrible to her like a few of them not all of them like why aren't you at practice at 6 a.m and she said quote like i'm going through chemo i can't freaking move my body and he's sick me to be here at practices. I said I don't have to explain anything to you. The only person I have to explain something to is Coach Q. He knows where I am. You have no idea what's going, what I'm going through. And this happened on multiple occasions. And there were players saying, I'm only there for the glory moment while I was going through chemo. And, yeah, she also um, tried to defend Coach Q, saying it's sad when you don't get what you want, uh, minutes, contracts after college, and you accuse others, things of others, sorry, you accuse others of, of things to make them look bad. If I only exposed some of my teammates for how they treated me once I was diagnosed with cancer. Now, her defending Coach Q, her experience could have been different. I mean, it's clearly it looks like Coach was there for her when she was going through what she was going through. And I don't, I'm not saying I don't believe her with that. That could be true. But that also doesn't mean that's how everybody else's experience went. And it just, it looks bad. There's no other way around it. It looks bad for everybody involved. And when you break down each part too, like some of it is just straight up indefensible. Like the, if true, of course, the, the creepy stuff and the verbal abuse and all that. And then yeah. there's some things that in isolation wouldn't have been that big a deal. Like flipping the table, for example, inappropriate. Sure. Fireable. No. Worthy of a, an athletic story. No. But when you combine that with all the other stuff, it's everything. Um, if that was an isolated right. incident, it would have been like, news but it wouldn't have been like you're like you're saying you said right he wouldn't have gotten fired for flipping a table it's not great and it, don't get me wrong right but. right it's not yeah i'm not i'm not defending it per se um, no no, there's no. Just, you know there's a few things that they mentioned where it's like okay that's not the end of the world but it's not great but when you combine those bad things with some really bad things that's when you get into into a ton of trouble and i'll, I'll just say this first and foremost the the mental health well-being of the players like that's that's obviously priority number one however when you also look at the the athletic department's perspective 
let's say let's say for some reason the investigation finds that Q did not do something worthy of being fired and they, they recommend that sh- they should keep I'm not saying that should or, or will happen I, I'm just hypothetically you have to ask yourself too is this still the guy we want like even even if you say okay this is different ta- like this is Bobby Knight stuff or worse or whatever if you are a coach that recruits players who trash each other in the locker room and have have this disagreement and those same players you have 12 of them leave because of your style that alone without all the the extra uh you know unacceptable stuff that alone could be grounds for firing just because it's like okay you can you can recruit the ACC freshman of the year but She's gone can't after one year. It, yeah, you can't keep her. You can't keep 12 players who who all want to leave your program for one reason or the other. That's on top of all these allegations. So it's it's just a complete mess any way you slice it. Yeah, it's not even just this year. Like, I know this year was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back because 12 girls left. But the quote from the article was it's been trending. Of, uh, the quote is, of the top of the 14 top 100 recruits that Hillsman has signed since 2015, which is more than both UConn and South Carolina have signed over the same period. Nine have left after two or fewer seasons. The question isn't why 11 women left Syracuse this year. It's why players have been ditching the orange for years. And it just seems like the answer to that is because it's been a bad culture in the locker room. Like, it's just, you're right. We do need to let the um, investigation play itself out and all that stuff, but it looks really bad. And again, it's, it's a trend instead of just like one or two players. It's, it, it, does, it does not come off good for anybody, and I don't think it's going to have a happy ending. It, it, clearly, it's not going to have a happy ending. It's going gonna, it's gonna to end poorly. Yep, and, and you mentioned it, too. You did see some former players backing up Q. Um, Tiana being one. Alexis Peterson, again, a, a first-round pick. Um, I know Brittany Sykes was wearing a, an NSU hoodie at, at a press conference, so I don't know if you know what that That one was a um, signal. That was from a couple of days before. That was just well, a coincidence it that it came up. Yeah, because she's put out a thing um, that I guess the WNBA filmed some of their interviews like either the day or two before. I don't remember how long ago it was, but it was prior to the article being released. Gotcha. So. And I'm all that to say, like Tiana was obviously beloved and should have her jersey in the rafters. Yes. Alexis Peterson was a, a first round pick who went to a national championship game. I'm not invalidating what they have to say. But I'm just saying, when you're when you're a program legend or a first round pick, you may have had a better experience than the eleven who decided to transfer. So I'm, I'm you know, take you take everyone's opinion seriously, but at the end of the day, you got to look at it in totality and do what's best for right. the program. The the experience that they had doesn't necessarily mean everybody else in the locker room or the team had the same experience. Just that's just the a fact. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm not comparing Syracuse to UConn either, but. For those who say it's the younger generation, well, Gino Ariema is, is pretty darn old school. <laughs> there's, there's, it, a, you know, it's to what to what point is it? Do you just blame this idea out, random idea out in the open that it's just the new generation's fault that eleven players decided to to change schools in college that they were recruited by and committed to? You know, it's to me that's just. It could factor in, sure, but that's that's not really valid, in my opinion, to just throw that as the reason. 
it's it's you, you can be it's a lazy. Tough, you can be a tough coach or a hard ass without being like an asshole. Like you said, Gino, he's a tough coach. Don Staley, who coaches at South Carolina, very notoriously tough coach. But like again, behind the scenes, they're you there. You see with Izzo they too. Treat we well. Yeah, Izzo. like you, you'll see him berating a player in the huddle. Someone will tweet it all upset, and then you ask every player, and they're like, "Oh, I love coach. He's fiery. That's our relationship." Like, there's a way to do it without yes. crossing the line, as as some of these allegations way cross the line. Way, so, way cross the line. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't know if you have anything more. I think that pretty much summarizes my thoughts. But just just an ugly situation, and you know, you care about team and, and the product and the image and all that but you really care about those those players who had to go through all that if if this report is indeed accurate which i've i don't have any real reason to believe it's not nope neither, and neither do i um yeah it, there's it's just too many players saying the same thing to make me think otherwise um Syracuse hired an outside law firm to do the investigation. I would assume they did that because they want to eliminate any kind of maybe forms of like or accusations of bias afterwards, depending on the result. Um, the, I, I don't know how long that will take. I don't think anybody does. But uh, before we move on, Keith, I want to there's a couple uh, potential fallout things I want to bring up. So in your head right now, is there any way uh, Coach Hugh is the head coach next season? I, I doubt it. Yeah, I think I would say there, no. I'm not going to rule anything out. I give it like a, I don't know, 20% chance if I'm just throwing random odds at it. I think if they say, okay, he he apologizes that he made some bad decisions, but it the, you know the report doesn't tell the whole story, whatever, whatever the case is. And, and if that 20% is true that he does keep his job, I think he's on the nicest the nice could be. I, I just can't see it there again. There, it's just I don't either. Too many players corroborating these stories to make me think otherwise that it's that it's false. Um, I don't know. I honestly, he, he by the time school starts again, I don't think he's gonna. He's not. He won't have a job. I just don't think so. And you mentioned the recruits too. Like what? What parent is gonna send their kid into that program if you're being yeah. recruited at the ACC level? You know, like and, knowing all that stuff now. What What about the current commits? Where if you're transferring in and you see this story and you see that your coach is being investigated by an outside law firm, you know? It's, yeah, especially after apparently people tried to alert the school. Like with there was one player who had a Zoom meeting set up and nobody showed up. They submitted stuff uh, via exit interviews, like on a form, I think it was, like just on an online form, and it was pretty detailed. Uh, the quotes were. Ego, manipulation, controlling, disrespectful to women and girls, anger issues, mood swings, gaslighting. I don't know what that means. Uh, lying, emotionally abusive, not caring, doesn't communicate, doesn't follow through, empty threats and fear tactics. Anytime a girl is talked to, we are disrespected in some way. And there was more than one player who submitted something like that and nothing happened. Um, which makes me think maybe John Wildhack might be in some trouble or somebody in the athletic department might be in some trouble when this is all said and done. But... Someone's yeah. someone's gonna get fired. And then I was so surprised, and I, I found it here. This was on June sixteenth, and this is uh, from Syracuse.com. Waldhack was asked about the the mass exodus from the program, 
and he said it was, uh, quote, a sign of the times. And basically strongly defended Coach Q. And that that surprised me knowing what you just said, that there were different alerts and things like that. Mm-hmm. If if he was cautious, it would have been more of a, you know, it's, it's a sign of the times that the transfer portal is active, but we're always taking a hard look at all our programs and seeing how we can improve um, or, or if any changes have to be made. You know, you can you can keep it really bad that you, you know, a lot of times people hate coach speak, but that's one time it would have been useful to be like, OK, let's see what's going on here. We're not going to throw our coach on the bus, but we're also let's not take gonna, a look at let's take a look, knowing that some of that, those reports were submitted. You know what I mean? So that yeah. that's that's the one thing that and not to I have no inside information on who had this report or, or this, that and the other. But if if he had come out and said something like that you could have made the argument like, oh, it probably didn't get up the chain to wild hack. And maybe even that would have been an issue. But like you, the excuse would have been there. The fact that he so staunchly defended him was a little surprising to me. Especially knowing what we knew before. Yeah, knowing, knowing what we know now is, is um, uh, even more so surprising. I don't even know if that's the right word. Um, it's not, it's not good, a good look for anyone involved with the university or the athletic program it's just it's bad the program itself is in a bad spot like you you said like you could use lose recruits i i don't know there's supposed to be a decent class coming in next this year and who knows about 2022 or beyond but it, the, the women's program is not in a great spot right now there's a lot of uncertainty and just a lot of turmoil and it's not good <laughs> yeah Five years removed from a national championship appearance. Yeah, that was supposedly like the tipping point to all this too. Yeah. So it's crazy to think about that this stuff was happening while we were at school. Like we were there. Yeah. Yeah. That final four for men's and women's program. Yeah. Same year. Uh, do you, Keith, anything else you want to say to kind of like put a, just anything else you want to say about the uh, Coach Q article? Nope, all good. All right, well, we'll keep you updated on that as more details come out. Uh, if there's a change or just any news, we will do a new podcast. Um, keep, we'll keep you updated on Twitter, too. So let's move on to let's move on to some more uh, happy, upbeat talk uh, for the rest of the podcast. So the men's basketball team, Keith, a little bit of a hot streak recruiting. Yeah. Yeah, Kamari Lands, Justin Taylor. The, uh, the 2022 class is coming together, not in the way we envisioned a while ago with Dior and Chance Westry and, and all them, but it's coming together. It's still, it's, it's, it's a good class um, so far early, but uh, so four-star small forward Justin Taylor commits to SU, joining five-star Kamari Lands. He's from Charlottesville. He's 6'6", 200 pounds, chose SU over Indiana and North Carolina, among some others. The number 87 ranked player nationally, according to the 24-7 composite ratings. Uh, 40% three-point shooter and coaching staff has compared him to Elijah Hughes, Matt Malachi Richardson. And Matthew Gutierrez said that he would be the replacement for Buddy Beheim. So he would be, which makes me think again, Buddy's probably going to leave after this year. But having a 6'6 shooting guard, not the worst thing in the world. No, no, especially in this system. And yeah, this is... Two really fun players. Yeah. Like, regardless of their skill level, which is really high, 
just objectively really fun to watch. Yeah, I watched some some video on Taylor. He's long, but he can like he's very smooth. He can get to the basket. He can pull up. He can do he can do a lot of different things. And you need a player who's versatile like that. Um, smooth shooting stroke. He's a big guy. He'll be able to get rebounds. He might need to bulk up a little bit, but that's a good start to the recruiting class. I like both. I like Lands and I like Justin Taylor. Yeah, I was I was convinced he would be a Virginia guy, being in Charlottesville and just his play style, but. Yeah, snagging a guy from Virginia's backyard is nice. I, I, I do like that. Yeah, <laughs> especially like a Virginia-type player. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like he's um, just very in that like Ty Jerome mold. Yeah, he won't and, be a one-and-done guy either. He'll be there for probably a couple of years at a least. A couple, yeah. And if he is, then I guess that bodes well for us. That's that's absolutely. always the way I look at it. It's like, yeah. They say with Benny, like if Benny's one-and-done, that means he was really good. So it's it feels like a really solid class like for the first time in a while like i remember the it does. 20 2015 class with like malachi title Lydon, frank howard and then i might be forgetting one more but like a bunch of top 100 guys and then obviously that team made it to the final four and was kind of the last of like the quote-unquote vintage Q's teams before the most recent run and since then, it feels like we've gotten a we've gotten a top one hundred guy here and there. We have underrated guys like Marek and and O'Shea, but like this this feels like a quote unquote vintage, like a, a twenty ten to twenty fifteen class. Yeah, it's a good start. And um, a quote from uh, Taylor's mom I thought was interesting. Uh, one of the biggest things was the relationship he built, talking about her son with Jerry McNamara. He and Coach Beheim were the most consistent coaches, conveying the message about how they planned to use him. They had a need for his position, and GMAC was huge, instrumental in the whole process. GMAC understands Justin's mindset as a shooter. He's worked with several NBA draft picks. GMAC was the one who could get him where he wanted to go, and those two hit it off. So that's fun to hear. I like that. Yeah, then they mentioned they brought him into like the film room and stuff, and he could really see the fit. Yeah, so it's... It's cool to see, like, especially as we get into the, I know we mention it all the time, but like the who's next, like it's, mm-hmm. it, no matter which direction we go. That's why I brought it it'll up. Be, <laughs> it'll be comforting to see like, okay, GMAC recruited all these guys to us or Red recruited all these guys to us. It, it's easier to be convinced that they can maintain that. Um, so that's, that's another plus side of it too. Absolutely. And then um, Matt Gutierrez also said, quote, the focus now turns to picking up a point guard and a big man, which it's been a po- the focus of picking up a big man since 2013. So <laughs> that'll just never go away. Um, yeah. As for point, I think Joe would have another. Joe has another year, so he would be there. But again, it's trying to pick somebody else, else up to be behind him because I think Torrance is gone after this year as well. Yeah, I think a, a big one will be Kadir Copeland. It's. Him and J.J. Starling are the two that are getting a lot of buzz right now. Copeland's a 6'6 guy. He's like in the 140 range, I think, on the on the 247 rankings. But he's – the consensus is that, like, we're in on the ground floor and this guy's just going to explode because his highlight tape is is great. I mean, every guy's is, but you, you could see him being a really good fit. Like, I can't remember the last time SU fans were that excited about the prospect of getting a guy in, like, the one – 150 range um but you can see why and then starling is the the local kid from baldwinsville that's not playing in prep school but he could go just about anywhere in the country he'll be a, a borderline five star so still looking up 
Yeah, and you brought up Starling. He, he was warm for Syracuse on the 24-7 page. Uh, you also brought up Chance Westry earlier. He's the 6-4 small forward. Um, two crystal ball predictions for Syracuse on 24-7. So we'll keep an eye on that. And then the center position, which, of course, is always the one that's the bane of Syracuse fans' existence. Um, the main two were Kyle Filipowski and Donovan Klingon. Now, Filipowski has four crystal ball predictions to Duke. So, again, that doesn't mean he's necessarily going to go there, but it's read into that as you want. And Donovan Klingon committed to UConn uh, this past weekend, which doesn't surprise me. He's from Connecticut. That's where I thought he was going to go. So we'll keep an eye on the center. They'll find somebody else. Um, but, Keith, what are your thoughts on those two? What are your thoughts on the center position just in general? Klingon I really wanted because he was the big – 7-1 force that we've been missing for a while since, I guess, Fab was our last, like, mm-hmm. dominant seven-footer. And then Filipowski is more of the modern step out and shoot it, play inside, do everything big man. So I guess still have a chance for flip, but sadly you see those those Duke crystal balls coming in. So I feel like we'll, we still have some time to, to get the class together and still have centers that are will still be on the roster, but that would be kind of the, the icing on the cake is to be finally out of the questions of like, can we still recruit these ready for college big men? If there are any, cause there's very few, like you look at Hunter Dickinson with Michigan, who's coming back for another year. Mm-hmm. I think Klingon fits in that category, but they're, they're few and far between a lot more than a lot more fierce than they used to be. Yeah, absolutely. Um, those I'm looking at 24-7 now. Those two are the only centers currently with offers, but again, from Syracuse. But again, it's early. It's still July. Let's not forget about the portal either. Right. Let's like also not forget about... Think of every guy that we slightly missed out on in years past that may be leaving the school. Like, that's... Like, look at Swider. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. We were the second choice, and then he's with us now. So that, that could be an option, too. Right, so that that'll be an option uh, picking somebody up next year. So that's not nobody. We're not going to stress about missing out on Klingon and probably Filipowski. Uh, but it's a great start to the class, and it's it's encouraging to see. So that that was some nice Syracuse basketball off off season news. Um, just some other players that are have eligibility that would be able to return next year. Buddy Beheim technically would, but from everything we're reading, he's probably going to go pro. John Bolajak, Jesse Edwards, Joe Girard would be a senior, um, and Benny Williams, if he wants to come back, are just the big ones. So, Yeah, it's probably since 2017 the the highest we've been thought of in the preseason rankings, and that was the year after the Final Four, and we brought in Andrew White, John Gillen. Like, it didn't really work out, but we were preseason, no. I think, like 19. I think we were 15. It might have been higher. I don't 15. even remember. Now you see he's floating in the back, like the 20 to 30 range. And I saw even Mike Waters, who's been around forever, saying, I don't see SU in the ranking, in like this top 25 from whatever publication. But he said, once you get to 20, I see Cuse as just as good, if not better, than pretty much all these teams. So it's a, I don't know. You're, I think you're more cautious. You still think uh, bubble, but. Um, yeah, I don't think we'll be top twenty-five. I could see us in the, like the seven seed range. I um, I'm still cautiously optimistic. Um, I think bubble is probably still right about. I don't think we'll be like an eleven again, but I think ten, nine, probably 
range, but you never know. It's starting to you look better. It's also a lot of new guys coming in, so you don't know how they're going to gel. It's a good schedule this year. There's a lot of you're going to get a shot at a couple good teams in the Bahamas. You're going to get Villanova, who's going to be top five preseason uh, early at the Garden in the Jimmy V Classic. And then you're going to get an ACC schedule. So you're, we're going to find out what the team is pretty early next year, I think. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Tough, tough non-con. Very tough non-con. We'll get into that a little bit more when we get into some miscellaneous stuff. So, Keith, is there anything else you want to wrap up about the 2022 recruiting class? No, I think it'll be interesting to see where it comes together. And it's it's all it's all icing at this point because you got – two really good players so we'll see where it goes from here absolutely and that'll be the first year with no coach k or Roy williams in the acc so yeah all right let's jump to lacrosse women's lacrosse uh so after gary gate made the jump to the men's team it was rumored that kayla trainer turned down the head coaching job but i mean she might have initially i don't know but she accepted the job last week so to be the new women's lacrosse head coach. She's tw- just 27 years old, so she's still very young, which I, I I like having younger coaches for the most part, um, just to be able to relate to some some of the recruits in today's world. Um, it's her first head for her first head coaching job. She's the third head coach in women's lacrosse history. She's from New York State. She, she's from I'm not going to say this right. Nickas Keith, you're from New York. How do I say that? <laughs> I don't know how I, Niskayuna looks like. Niskayuna? Oh, God. Yes. In Schenectady, she played for Syracuse from 13 to 16. She was a four-time first-team All-American, three-time Toraton finalist, four-time All-Conference, the 2014 Syracuse Female Athlete of the Year, has the NCAA record for most draw controls at 217, 260 career goals, which is sixth in NCAA history, and 393 points, which is fourth in NCAA history. And she was the associate head coach and offensive coordinator at Boston College this past season, who famously beat Syracuse in the national championship game. Keith, thoughts? Well, I think this is who we both wanted yes. initially <laughs> from the list. And I think most people wanted. So props to SU for going out and getting the the big name for both the men's job and the women's job. And I'm excited to see see where it goes from here. Obviously just won the national title at BC and really the the Mike Hopkins of that that team, <laughs> if you will, a uh, much younger version, but um, Man, yeah, just, happier, just really exciting, <laughs> full of energy. Yeah, <laughs> just, just really exciting, full of energy, and excited to see if, if it takes a minute to re reload or if they can go ahead and just just keep on rolling. I know they just got a goalie transfer in from UNC, mm-hmm. which is good. So yeah, it's uh, it's exciting stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Um, she's the first women's lacrosse alum to coach the team. Uh, and as you said, you mentioned about the talent. Megan Tyrrell and Emily Howershuck both voiced their excitement on Twitter uh, for the new coach. I think they have a pretty good class coming in. It, it, it looks good. It, she's a good hire. You said that was who I wanted for the women's job if I could pick anybody. So I'm happy. I think the women's team's in good hands with her. I think she'll be able to talk to kids to younger kids now pretty well like she was she graduated when we were freshmen so she's not that old um so great hire uh john wildex said kayla has experienced success at the championship level both as a coach and student athlete 
She's one of the most decorated players in women's lacrosse history, and she is the right person to guide our program as we take the step, take the next step to win a national championship. And I think he's absolutely right. So great hire. And then one more quick lacrosse, women's lacrosse note. Sam Swart will be back next year. 41 goals, 7 assists, 48 points, which were career highs last season. Um, Keith, is there anything else you want to mention or talk about with the women's lacrosse team? Nope, I think you hit it all. All right, then let's jump into some of the miscellaneous stuff that's been going on. Uh, a couple of quick basketball, men's basketball schedule notes. Uh, Drexel's coming to the Dome November 14th with 3-1 and one all time against the Dragons. Last time we met was in 2010, which was a Syracuse win. And then we have our ACC Big Ten Challenge matchup. Syracuse will host Indiana on November 30th. SU is 5-1 and one all time versus Indiana. That one loss, though, was the 1987 National Championship game, which is also their first meeting. It's the this second where meet- I played Cascada to, to drop <laughs> out that. <laughs> um, yeah, but it's funny. I didn't realize that was the first meeting between SU and Indiana, and at least we're on a five-game win streak. That seems crazy. Then. I know. That seems crazy, yeah. For two teams, like even at that point, I know Syracuse, that was their first, uh, only their second Final Four. But for two programs that were pretty highly esteemed, I was very surprised it was the first time they played. Uh, Last meeting was in 2013 at the Dome in our first season in the ACC. Every other meeting has been in a neutral site. Uh, New Orleans in the Final Four, the 2013 Elite Eight, one at the Garden, and twice at the Maui Invitational. So I'll be excited to see Indiana. Uh, They're going to be better, so I'm happy. Yeah, I think this is a good year to, to catch them, too, because you got the excitement of Woodson being there, but they're not back to where Indiana fans want them to be, where it's just like, okay, well, it's cool that we play them in the in the challenge, but they're like a top-10 team. Like, they're not there yet, so I think it'll be a really interesting matchup and probably the most ideal for us out of all the teams. Like, I, I, don't, I can't think of a matchup I would want more than, than IU this year. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that's pretty close to rounding out the non-conference schedule. I'm not totally sure. They might add one or two more smaller teams, but the schedule is taking shape. We should get the ACC schedule at some point in the next couple months, I would think, to have a full basketball schedule. But we're getting there. Uh, hockey. Full, uh, women's hockey forward Emma Pulaski was selected eighth overall in the NWHL draft by the Connecticut Whale. 31 goals, 31 assists, and 62 points in her Syracuse career. So congrats to Emma. Uh, former football coach Paul Pasqualoni was will be inducted into the Syracuse Sports Hall of Fame. Troy Noon said on Twitter, does he deserve it? One losing season in 14 years, multiple BCS bull bids, too many top draft picks to count, a, a clean program with men coming out of it that came in as boys. Send this one in as long overdue. Congrats, Coach P. Um Keith, what do you what do you think? Does he deserve? Do you do you think Coach P deserves a spot in the Syracuse Sports Hall of Fame? Um, I would I would lean yeah, like especially when you look at where Q's football is yeah. right now. <laughs> like I still to this day will say that they made the right decision letting them go. They just made the wrong decision with hiring Greg Robinson <laughs> to take over. But that doesn't take away all the success he had, which is exactly that. If you have one losing season in 14 years in Keys football, that's that's pretty impressive. Even I would take that. after after all the <laughs> I would kill for that now. Um Jeremy Grant headed to the Olympics to play for Team USA in Tokyo and then name image and likeness legislation took effect so now athletes can make money off their name image and likenesses. 
And our own buddy Beheim was the first college athlete to have his own merch. I already bought a sweatshirt. And Joe Girard <laughs> followed followed the same day. Now, uh, was he the first to have his own merch? I thought he was the first to use the school's branding on his merch. Oh, the, the tweet I saw, it might have been that, but the tweet I saw said he was the first college athlete to have his own merchandise. Gotcha, gotcha. Because I, I know he used the SU logo, which was cool. He did. He did. Um, you you might be right, um, but it's cool. The sweatshirt is nice. Uh, Joe Girard has the same thing. And I think NIL in the long run, I think, will be a good thing for college athletes. I don't know. There, there'll be stuff you gotta you got to regulate and they'll have to look at. Like, you can't say, hey, come play basketball for Duke. We'll pay you a million dollars to sit in this guy's office for two hours and do nothing kind of thing. Um, but I think it, it's long overdue. Yeah. Yeah, I think guardrails was a term the, the NCAA used. I think I I agree with the premise that I think there's going to be people spending a lot of money right away until, like, they figure out the good balance. Like, mm-hmm. if you say, oh, this thing's going off the rails, it's going off the rails because it's never been done before, or, uh, not nothing even close to it. So I think it'll, of course, correct afterwards. And, yeah, I also think – part of it now with with brands specifically they're looking at it like i can endorse this person this person can endorse my product i'm gonna get more headlines from them signing the deal than i am from their endorsing my product so like the the ones who used it right away are pretty smart for that reason too because like you're you're getting headlines strictly from being one of the first to do it rather than even your your product like so-and-so likes my chicken or whatever. <laughs> Who, um, which Syracuse athlete is the first to get like a local TV job, a TV commercial or something? It's gotta be Buddy, right? I would think. It's gonna be, I think it's somebody it's on the basketball be, team. It's gonna be Buddy <laughs> and Jimmy together with the dad. That would be cool. I would very much like to see that. If we're like our city or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Adam Weitzman is going to back up uh, the Brinks truck for someone. <laughs> he, yeah. Dior's like, maybe I'll reconsider it. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, he committed to Oregon, and, it, and I, he, I still don't think he's going to play college basketball. I think he's going to go play pro somewhere either. else. But I dude, think he'll could, play pro. Could you imagine if he had committed to Washington? Like, he, he Hop was recruiting him there. The meltdown that SU Twitter would have had. From both, from both like, the Hop crowd and the anti-Hop crowd. Yeah, the milk crazy. It would have been insane. Um, <laughs> I, I do want to bring up this about NIL. So, our guy Tate Frazier from the Tyson Tate podcast brought up how they should start selling uh, the jerseys with alumni's name on the back. And I forget who he said from North Carolina, but he said, I'd buy that jersey right now. Is there a jersey you would buy right now if they said, hey, we're doing, we're selling these? Who would it be? Ooh, I know they brought back like the G Mac and Mellow like T shirt jerseys. Well, I have the four. I have the T Mac jersey uh, with his name on the back because I I think he was out long enough that it was something like they could do it. Yeah, yeah, there was something like Brady had his own Michigan jersey you could buy. There was some there's there was some rule where if you're out for X amount of time you could do that. But like, yeah, if you, I'd go with uh, for hoops. Johnny Flynn would be a really fun one. And then you got to love the classic football McNabb jerseys. I get a white one. Like the, I love the those. retro. Yeah. With, with his name on the back. I know you have one just regular, which is awesome. But even you throw the name on there, I think that'd be really slick. Yeah. I have the, the other SU legends are just so much older that like the, 
McNabb's the the right combination of like talented, successful, and a cool jersey. Like I yeah. could easily buy like a Jim Brown or something. It's just kind of like older, and you're like, eh. But I think the McNabb hits the right mix. Absolutely. Or Greg I would, Paulus. Greg Paulus. <laughs> I would love an Andy Rattlins jersey for basketball. Rattlins is one of my yeah. favorite players, and then. I would probably want, I would probably get an Eric Dungey jersey. I, it would be the white one or the orange one because I have the blue one. And I hate those jerseys anyway, but mm-hmm. I would get an Eric Dungey jersey. I hate yeah. jerseys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all good picks. Um, you got anything else you want to talk about NIL? Anything other other than anything with the miscellaneous stuff? Nope. I uh, once again, you hit it on the head. All right, let's do the farewell tour then, which is new segment we introduced last week where we just kind of talk about some random stuff, anything we want to shout out that's going on in the sports world. So I got two. Shout out Adam Fox, New York Rangers defenseman, won the Norris Trophy in his second year. Only the second defenseman in the NHL to do that. The first was Bobby Orr, if you've ever heard of him. Um, rightfully deserved. I'm a Rangers fan. I don't care if I'm biased. He had better stats than everybody else. I thought it was, they were going to vote for Victor Hedman, but... I was pleasantly surprised, and I'm happy. Um, the Something that's not making me happy is my baseball team. The Yankees are terrible. They can't hit. They are boring to watch, and I am sad, and I'm ready for football season. <laughs> I also got a shout-out for uh, for baseball on this farewell tour. So did you see this dad who caught the ball? No. So he had, he had a beer in one hand. He had a baby in the other hand. Um, the foul ball comes to him. He pretty much drops – Drops the baby, like, in the air, catches the ball, tucks the baby back in, and only spills, like, a drop of beer and gets none of the baby. Like, it was, it was the most <laughs> bad move of all time. Where was this? The Diamond, Diamondbacks game. <laughs> That's incredible. I wish I could be able to do that, but I had 100% drop the kid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah just incredible. Oh, that's awesome. Um, not much else we want to shout out, though. The Stanley Cup Finals almost over. The NBA is in, in the finals. Not much else going on. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah, we, we ran through everything pretty quickly today. Yeah, we did. Um, so that's it. We're not Again, we're not going weekly anymore just because, again, there's not that much news. If anything kind of trickles out, we'll probably do another podcast in a couple weeks. Uh, if anything big with Q happens, maybe we'll do a podcast earlier. If anything else big happens we'll keep you guys updated so keith unless you got everything else five star questions leave us a five star review on itunes the question and the review and we'll answer it on the podcast follow us on twitter at marshall street pod 44 oh and instagram we have that too uh, don't forget to subscribe like retweet and share with your friends and that's keith i'm jake go orange go orange <laughs>